Hey, welcome to the Adam Roosevelt Show. It's good to be with you all today. We've got our very first release of our podcast series. I hope you all stay tuned, follow us, join us, continue to be involved. Uh, today's topic is about the Afghanistan war, an insider view on ground, what really happens uh, beyond what the television shows you, the movies show you, all the great things. But I finally get a chance to kind of get out on the outside, talk about a few things. I spent two years on ground, nearly, in Afghanistan. What a time. How much time is really two years? 365 full days, round the clock, 24 hours out of the day, sleeping with your weapon, M16 issue, M9 issue, and let me tell you, it is no movie. Now, where we were in the location that I was sent to under the campaign called Operation Enduring Freedom, I was actually assigned uh, to a beautiful unit, 10th Mountain Division, and let me tell you, some of the most toughest guys, they actually trained, well I can say now, we actually trained in the mountains. We climbed this major mountain in 2002, they had this uh, Olympic competition down there, you might all know it's called Whiteface, boy what a climb it was, over 4,857 feet, I climbed that, all a part of preparation for Afghanistan, fun stuff, you can't even see the bottom of the mountain, it's all true. But on a serious note, that training helped prepare us for extreme cold weather. I mean, you don't want to ever put your kids through such a training. But guess what? We've got to do what we got to do to support the American people. Now, when I got there, I was already prepared, given the training, having talked to my family, my daughter, saying goodbye. You know, just nothing really prepares you. And as you get in on this, this plane, we'll call it for civilian terms, you know, you don't know what to expect. They've got this bottom, this bottom iron configuration that if you receive this, what they call small arms fire when you come into country or an RPG, you know, it will technically keep most of the troops safe. Uh, so we come in on this diagonal and, um, you know, that's, that's quite how it all starts. I and mean, then you get off the plane, you know, you land somewhere at some discreet location and then now you've got your bags and you're probably sleeping at a tent. It's a beautiful thing until they get you on the next flight over to where you're actually going to be working. And that's where the story starts. I ended up in Bagram, Afghanistan, 2011 and 2012. I tell you, all the pictures and movies and TV shows that you could ever prepare for, Afghanistan looks like Afghanistan. And in the winter, they actually have a cold winter. It's unbelievable how cold it really is. But the point is, I was assigned supporting the 10th Mountain Division. They put me over there with this group called these airborne guys. For the civilians out there, it's the guys who fall out of planes and 20 years later their, their knees and their legs don't work anymore. And I was able to save my legs and knees by not jumping out of those planes because I was a mountain boy. Uh, so I supported this group, 82nd Sustainment Brigade. We were the guys who dropped all the packages throughout Afghanistan to make sure all the troops were fed. And let me tell you, some interesting stories is that these guys are able to sneak in some of the greatest gifts you could ever think of. Gatorade shakes were like the hottest thing for the whole entire year. We used to barter with special forces. I was working with the special forces guys. We got everything we wanted. You know, it was a beautiful, beautiful time uh, in Afghanistan. But, um, you know, as things start to pick up and our insurgent forces start to target the base like Bagram Airfield. They were looking to hit planes and so forth. So while I was there, uh, they did hit the airfield a few times. Um, they were successful in hitting my hut, 
once we woke up we heard this uh, thump on top of the roof everybody was told to get out of the building and it comes out and it was an unexploded bomb that that didn't go off so you know we had to go and bunker they sent some guys down there to pick it up regular day in Afghanistan pick it up do a controlled detonation and we went right back into the hut and went to sleep you know those type of things but there's a lot of dangers out there that we witnessed it was an interesting time people were getting killed on the camp you know so we had to 550 our doors to make sure that at night people weren't trying to break in kill us shoot us that type of thing things you never think about I was there when they burned the Qurans so when they burned the Qurans you know there was this big outlash the Afghan people didn't even want to come on post and support the Americans and NATO forces. What that meant was we couldn't take showers. We had to shower out of buckets. I mean, guys were putting water bottles in their huts and heating it up, and then they're putting it in the buckets. You know, it was it was an interesting uh, experience. Um, but so that's kind of on ground. That was the first tour. You know, so I did that whole thing. Um, the, the second part of that tour, before I get into the second tour. You know, I started getting involved with infantry work. They sent me out to a J-Cop called Harrington Gate. They had me doing infantry work. I was in the turret for a little bit doing gun control, gunner work. And then I got out doing dismounted foot patrol. What a what a story. Going into those communities, talking to people, guarding the VIPs, making sure that U.S. forces were doing what they were supposed to do. Beautiful, beautiful time because you get a chance to see your work. Um, no incidents, which is good in that location for six months. They threw me up in a guard tower, too, and I tell you, that uh, that's like a prison sentence for a lot of those who know what I'm talking about. Um, but the second tour, a little bit different. They sent me back out there in 2014 with NATO forces, and I was working with the uh, Afghan National Army as an advisor to the Ministry of Defense doing cyber work. And, you know, I was involved heavily with negotiations, standing up cyber policy, getting engaged. I had to walk on foot. You know, and they always told us, you know, if the route is red, don't walk. Well, one day I walked on the red route. I was approved to do it. And uh, I ended up going out with my buddy who was a Romanian soldier. It was just me and him. We were battle buddies. We call them battle buddy teams. You can't leave without another person. And, uh, you know, we're walking out to the checkpoint. Got the two or three checkpoints. See a couple bullet holes from previous engagements where the Afghan National Army took out some insurgents. And uh, regular day, we walk past this school, we see the kids playing, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a normal neighborhood in some cases. We just never thought that we'd run into the school kids when the school let out. I mean, half the kids were taller than me. So I was trying to figure out, you know, okay, is this is this a situation where, you know, two guys walking in the middle of 100 kids is the smart thing to do? Well, we, we kind of mushed past and got to our destination, and we ended up getting over to the Ministry of Defense working with those guys. And let me tell you, you could see the hate in some of those guys' eyes. It was an interesting situation. You'd be amazed at how many people truly hate NATO. I mean, you can see it in their eyes, but hell, the tea is good. The saffron is good. There are some good people out there. I think we, we can do a lot of good. And the reason why today's topic is about Afghanistan war and the insider view is because, well, hell, we're pulling out, and I'm not too excited about that. Uh, overall, my experience in Afghanistan um, was was very interesting. I'll give you some observations that I saw outside the wire. Uh, things do really go down outside the wire. Uh, there's always situations where your team is in situation where they could potentially die. Um, that's real. That's true. Um, that's not a fake. And there's also um, an interesting side of Afghanistan where the diplomats are partying like hell. I was surprised as you all would be surprised, but embassies actually are allowed to have alcohol. 
so many people know uh, who have been deployed that, you know, some of these parties that do occur actually do happen in war. We do essentially look at that as a morale booster. Soldiers, unfortunately, can't engage, but uh, our diplomats are living pretty good. Our firefighters are living pretty good out there. So I was pretty happy to see that, that some of the Americans could go out there and have you know, a piece of uh, a piece of the world in a peaceful sense. So that was really good. You know, the convoy stuff and the dismounted foot patrol was exciting. Um, you know, so you got a chance to really put, you know, your your brass where it needs to be put in the case that your your courage and things of that nature that make you bold, strong, and committed to the mission are very important. You know, bombs though. Good God, these bombs go off forty miles out, and then the ricochet from that blast impact travels miles long, knocks TVs off walls, flips cars over. I mean, my window blew out one day and literally, I mean, every single building lost windows in Afghanistan. What an interesting time, you know? And then I'll say this, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the high speed, fast lane stuff, I'll give you one crazy story that happened to me that almost lost me my career. Uh, you know, I was new to NATO Nobody knows this, but it's a podcast. It's my show. I'll go ahead and give it to you. I was new to NATO. I was in charge of a IT support desk, and I was briefed that you know every NATO country has equivalent ranks, just like we've got E5s and sergeants. We've got captains and lieutenants and majors and lieutenant colonels and, and so forth. So every nation has that, you know? So you're kind of in a position where you've got to be able to address what they need, or you need to be able to tell them no, yes, Here's what we can do, but you got to pay the respects. Well, one day the Turkish military came into my office and they were all geared up. They had their weapons, they had their body armor on. And mind you, I only had an M9, no kit. We call it a kit, nothing. And um, I said, yes, what's the issue? They said, it's an emergency, but it's on the camp. We need you to come with us to help us. And again, I remember my commander saying, well, uh, make sure you support the majors and the officers because they're very important and if you don't support them you're going to get in trouble so that's all i heard ringing like week one afghanistan new guy right in afghanistan well i get outside and these guys got a convoy it's like five or six trucks and i said hey man you know just sir i don't understand why is there trucks out here? he's like oh we're just we just get in the car the general doesn't walk and here i was thinking maybe the general doesn't walk even if it's a couple of streets over uh, well, boy, was I wrong, okay? No kit, only an M9, no helmet, nothing. And these guys drive outside the goddamn gate. And what happened after that is I said, hey, you know, I'm an American. There's, there's, I'm in this Turkish convoy. I don't even know these guys. I said, hey, guys, I need you to turn this convoy around. I am not approved to leave without informing the Americans. Well, they didn't want to hear that. So luckily I had my cell phone with me. I called my commander and I got cursed out obviously, and he said, you must be the dumbest American soldier in the military to have left with the Turkish, but, you know, anyway, uh, he hung up on me, and they put the base on standby, but these guys drove me miles and miles and miles, I mean, it was miles and miles until I got into some outposts where there were no Americans, there was just the Afghans, and I was pretty sure that I was probably going to be kidnapped, and I said, you know what, just give me a cigarette, uh, because at this point I have no faith that I may return, but I get there and, uh, they just needed me to pull a hard drive. So, you know, I did that. And these Turkish guys were so polite and they're making tea and it's just going to be another hour. So, you know, I'm calling my commander, letting him know what they're saying. He didn't want to hear anything they got to say. 
get back here. So four hours later, guys, okay? Four hours later, guy outside the wire, no kit, no protection, an M9 in the red zone, wherever the hell I was at some outpost. And I got back there, and boy, not only did I get deassigned <laughs> from my current role, I was reassigned to some location where, you know, you see those movies, those guys are kind of shoveling it, shoveling the poop. Well, I wasn't necessarily doing that, but I was in a dirty location where a lot of dirt. Well, just guess what happened? And I give it God's grace at this point. Those same Turkish officers made a phone call to the commander of NATO and uh, made some phone calls to the our commander, our big time commander, the guy who's over all of the operation and uh, got me reassigned. And uh, fast forwarding through the story, I actually ended up working at the Ministry of Defense and that's how my big senior career started. So, you know, the life story of this all is, is that as crazy as the fast lane is, even in war and in life, there's an opportunity for you truly to be able to make some differences. And they may happen in the most unscrupulous of ways, if that word has context, but it will happen. Uh, so have faith, be, be, do whatever you want, you know, in life. But at the same time, be prepared for the roller coasters. They will come. They happen. They happen to me all the time. But the Afghanistan war and the insider view on the conclusion of this note is that we are not ready to hand over that government, that control, that military operation, that diplomacy work to the Afghan people. They are not prepared. They are not ready. And if we pull out and such we are, the Taliban is already at work. They're already taking control of army bases. They're already... Uh, inciting violence, they're already blocking off supply routes, they're already doing what they do best, bombings, shootings, killings, hangings, and this will be a new conflict. This will be a civil war. This will be a war that the Taliban is on track to win if the U.S. and our NATO allies do not stay engaged. Well, this is season one, episode one, the Afghanistan war and the insider view. I really look forward to getting you guys some more good content on what's happening. I know this week we got a lot going on. The U.S. President Trump has called on Liz Cheney essentially to get out of his way and his followers, the 70 million plus, will continue to support that action. But there is a divide, but so much activity going on. Stay tuned with us. Follow us, The Adam Roosevelt Show. We've got more coming your way. Thanks for your support, and as always... God bless America.